Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes from Sydney, Australia. If this is your first time listening to the Goal In Podcast, welcome. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here at the Goal In Show. Make sure you just peek at your phone and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on to right now so you never miss a show. Today on the show, our guest is Natalie Stevens from buildinoz.com.au. Nat is a second-generation property developer, and she knows how to make money building houses, both in her own business, but also helping others to do the same. For many of us, building or buying our home is one of the biggest financial investments that we'll ever make. And I believe it's so important to have someone like Nat in your corner when you're in the process of making these choices and these decisions. And I'm sure you'll agree by the end of the show, you'll, you'll understand why, and I think you'll agree with that statement. Now, Nat's go-all-in story is a little different to most. When you think about your go-all-in moments of commitment and total focus, they're often just internal and you don't really affect anybody around you. It's just you committing something quietly to yourself to get something done. And look, Nat's story is no different to that. She still has an internal commitment that she'd made to herself. But when she decided to go all in and turn the spotlight on the industry that she's been part of the whole life, it was not only her reputation on the line, but also her business. She went all in, all right. Talk about commitment. Nat exposed and she shows non-industry people all of the pitfalls of what can go wrong when you're building a house. She'll help you to understand the hidden traps and she describes the whole process of deciding to build a house as being completely dictated by the people that are selling to you as a consumer. If it's that way and it works like that, then it means that the sellers are in control of the whole process and the buyers are at the mercy of their sales pitches. Nat flips this on its head completely and she calls BS on the industry where it's warranted and that's much more frequently than you would imagine. Now, with a lifetime of skill and experience as a property developer, when you couple that with a highly articulate delivery, that will show you how not to get ripped off when you're building a house, and she uncovers all of the things that can trip you up when you're building a house as well. A little bit of knowledge in this space can go a very, very long way to saving you a whole lot of money. I'm excited she's here to share her experience and her goal in story. So please help me in welcoming Natalie Stevens. Well, good day, Nat. Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Robert. Well, I'm really excited about this one because it's a bit of insider information looking out for Australian families. And I can't wait to hear your story and get into that. But before we do that, I'd like to do a little quick get to know you quiz with all of my guests. It kind of helps warm us up. Arms and nerves down a little bit. It's a bit random in no particular order. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the question. You ready? Go for it. All right. You're a busy mum with a couple of kids and stuff. Do you, do you have much time to get to the gym and exercise for yourself? Not, not a heap of time. Every, there is no routine in our family particularly, not one that we've been able to stick to, that's for sure. <laughs> However, I, I do love to keep fit. I keep fit in a variety of ways. Love hiking, love getting out into the bush and we live on the ocean so we've got beautiful walking trails. I, go, I try to go to the gym most days on a, on a regular week but then sometimes I can go weeks without going at all, just depending on what's happening with the family. Yeah, absolutely. Are you pumping some weights in there or doing cardio or are you heading off to some classes? Have you heard of F45? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so I've been doing that for the last six months. 
and loving it, feel really strong and lean, which is really good. But again, it's just, you know, working to those times isn't kind of my forte that much. So I make the classes I can make. And if I can't make a class, grab the dog and off we go. Yeah, 45 is really good like that because I have multiple classes throughout the day and it's, uh, mm. it keeps you entertained and engaged as well. It's not like oh, a boring work. It's actually amazing. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Love it. What sort of doggy have you got? A spoodle. A, <laughs> what's yeah. a, a, a spoodle? Does a spoodle go in the water at the beach where you are? No, he doesn't actually. No, even if we go to the river, he's not really interested in getting in the water, surprisingly, um, with that cocker spaniel in him. And his name's Echo. He's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Very nice. Very nice. We all love a spoodle. And if you don't know what that is, please Google it because it's, it's a very cool looking animal. All right. Uh, you, you've written a book and uh, I see you do a bit of public speaking. Do you have a preference? Do you, do, do you prefer to do speaking in front of a crowd or do you prefer the solitude of, of writing? That's an interesting question because I love to speak to people about what I do, obviously. (laughs) However, again, it's just that phase that I'm at in my life. I live in a regional area, so I'm always limited by location. So for me to go and speak to audiences or on a larger scale, it requires the logistics of that for where I am with four kids is really difficult. Hence the beauty of having published a book because it means that I can reach people everywhere so easily. Um, It's such a beautiful gift to be able to share with people that I meet along the way. Are you a big writer? Are you a prolific writer? Do you sit down and write a blog post just randomly for no particular reason? Absolutely. Yes. I love writing. I've written a lot of stuff that nobody's ever seen. I don't know where that space is for that yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that cannot sit still. My mind is never still. So if I'm not working, I'm thinking, writing, often I'll voice memo my thoughts. So because I travel a lot, I'm in the car a lot. So I will just speak randomly, thoughts that come into my mind, challenges I'm feeling, facing, things that are happening in my industry, and then I can get them transcribed. So, you know, you you can just sort of write without having to be sitting at your desk on your laptop or anything like that. It's There's so many little tools now that make it so easy for me to publish my thoughts. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Ab- absolutely. I-, I like that a lot. I-, I find myself often, funny enough, listening to a podcast when I'm out on my morning activity doing some exercise and, oh, I should write about that. Oh, I should, should do that. And-, and I get back to yeah. my desk and go, what was it that I was going to write about again? And that <laughs> moment's gone. So that's a-, it's a really good idea what you got going on there with the voice memo because it only takes a second to stop and do something like that. With your phone. Uh, if I have those little random ideas, um, I'll just grab my phone, voice memo it. There's probably a hundred there I've never gone back and listened to, but they're just sitting there. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you go back and listen and go, who is this crazy person on my phone? <laughs> well, it's funny because a lot of those things are about the challenges that I feel as a mum, building a business in regional Victoria, working from home, raising young kids. So it's not necessarily stuff that my audience you know, that I'm sharing with my audience right now because it's not necessarily about my business. It's mm. more about me as a person trying to pull it all off, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that's really important to capture that as well. I feel really privileged in, in this show and having my own podcast because I know that every time I, I record an episode and I get one down, I'm recording the video, I'm recording the audio, one day, I'll be, uh, one day I'll no longer be here on this planet and my kids will discover all of this stuff because they don't listen to it now, of course, but they'll discover it all and they'll be like, oh, oh dad, I didn't know my old man thought about those things. So I think okay. it's however you document your thoughts or 
what it is that you've got inside of you. I think it's so important to do that, whether it's video or audio like this or it's written like that. I think it's so important to leave that behind and, and to leave that for your family. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful way to look at it. I'm not sure why I'm doing it yet. I'm just doing it because it's, it's kind of a bit of a hobby more than anything. So, yeah, no, I love to write. Absolutely. Well, I didn't realize that I was actually doing that until I was editing a video recently and my daughter was over my shoulder and she's like, what are you doing, dad? And I said, I'm editing the video. And she was, she kind of stopped and listened and she was watching me and hearing me. And she goes, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, good question. (laughs) They impersonate me sometimes just to, you know, tease me a little bit. It's, um, yeah. when they do that because I sort of think oh it's a bit cringy (laughs) (laughs) good fun good fun hey uh you're a property expert and you've been doing this as you say for your whole life and we're going to get into that in this show we're going to talk about that of course but are there any other investment vehicles that are interesting to you is that like business or shares or is there something else that you've mastered as well at the same time as property oh well I'm a qualified ceramic designer so I studied art for six years which I believe has enabled me to do what I've done. So, yeah, I'm a sculptor and very passionate about architectural ceramics, which is what my degree is in. So, yeah, I've, I've got a big studio at home that I work from mm-hmm. and that's kind of, you know, that's who I am. Like deep down in here, that is the thing that lights me up, brings me peace. Um, it's my form of meditation, I guess you could say. And I believe that having that creative outlet is so incredibly important and I believe that the happiest people have those kind of other interests that, you know, they're kind of sole interests, I guess you could say. And I love my children to be around that because it's really, really important for, you know, the long, your whole entire life to have something else that has no monetary gain attached to it, that has no necessary, you know, you don't have to do it. You do it because it just feels good. And that is, I guess, another really big part of my life, the part of my life that will always be there no matter whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely. I like to ask this question of artists, and obviously you're an artist, and and art takes many different forms, right? And my partner, Sue, she's a photographer, and the art that she produces is incredible. She's a really highly experienced wedding photographer and she's been doing it for like 20 years or something like that. And if you ask her about hardware, she's not listening. And I know she rarely listens to this podcast anyway, so I'll go out and say it. She's not that skilled with equipment. If you ask her what settings should be on the camera, she kind of like, uh, like this, she'll show you what the camera should look like. And then she can set it up for what it should be. But for her to be able to verbalize and articulate that is not something that she ever got caught up in. And sometimes photographers are real equipment junkies. And so I see her take photos with these really expensive cameras and hardware that we've got, and they're incredible. And I take the same cameras and I can't take a photo to save my life because I just don't have the eye for it. I don't have the, the ability to do what she does, particularly with weddings and with people. It's a very difficult skill set to master and it takes a long time. And I think you just got to have it. And I ask her all the time and I'll ask you the same question. What is it that you like about art? Is it the process of creation or is it the finished product? Well, it's a little bit of both. I would be one of the last formally trained potters. So I'm a potter. And the process of just starting with a ball of clay and turning, you know, some of the pots that I've made are up to a metre high. That's not so much, that's more like a skill-based, a very skill-based process to master the technique to be able to to build a pot that big is is quite significant. Yet, you know, it's the transformation that takes place in an artwork and the process a lot of people feel 
oh, I can't draw, you know, because I'm also an art teacher. So the, the, the saying I can't draw, you know, just, just absolutely bugs me. Some of the artwork that you see behind me is artwork that my kids did at like, you know, three or four years old. It's, it's about the process that you use to create the artwork. So it's very much, it is the transformation and the end result, but it's also the how, how you feel as you're working through that process. And it's a very, anyone who's never been involved in art, if ever you're looking for something new to do, I couldn't recommend it more because it is incredibly satisfying for the soul. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would totally agree. And it takes many different forms. You know, often I see the, the product of uh, wedding photography on the backside of that. And, and I say to, to my partner, you know, they're, they're amazing photos. Look at that. You beat, you beat your best again. You know, you just kind of the composition, the look, the feel you, you know, and, and there's a, there's a true magic in being able to create and capture couples love on a wedding day. How do you catch love? in a photo. It's like, Oh my God. But she seems to do it time and time again. And when I comment on her pictures, I say, Oh, that's amazing. She's sort of like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, like, what do you, what do you expect type thing? And then when you ask her like what she likes about it, I think it's, it's a bit of, it's what you said. You can't really pick one or the other as both. Like she loves the process of doing it and working with people and, and the activity of actually doing it and the finished product. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. But both of them are equally important. I would actually say that photography could be the exception in the sense that you can learn the whole skill base Mm. of photography. However, unless you've got that, as you said, eye for composition, that's a gift Mm. to be able to see a moment and know when that moment is and press click. That's where the real gift lies with photography in my eyes. Yeah, I've I've absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I've learned to use equipment and I've learned what things should look like, but my photos still look pretty ordinary. <laughs> yeah, it's knowing when that moment comes. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just leave that to her. I'll do the website and all the marketing because I'm really good at that stuff, and she's kind of like hopeless at that. <laughs> so it's a nice. Probably just how she likes it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's beautiful. All right, a uh, couple more questions in a little warm up here and get to know you. What's your What's your favourite Australian holiday destination with a big family? Uh I have to say Halls Gap in the Grampians in the Grampians National Park down in Victoria. Mm-hmm. It's a unique camping spot in the bush and you can have fires and, you know, there's families everywhere. We go there every Easter Mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of weeks and it's just magic. And plus it helps because I love hiking. Hiking is one of my favourite things to do. So every day I can just go and explore, scamper around the mountains. It's just a beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Good bit of outdoor Aussie fun. Awesome. All right. Last one. What's the, uh, Nat, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? It's funny because I'm talking about art a lot, which is not necessarily what people would know me for at all. However, probably I didn't realize it was uh, business advice at the time, but anything can be art if you give it attention. <laughs> it's, it's how you view something um, and how it makes you feel that determines its value. So I think that that philosophy, that idea, that advice, I guess not technically advice, but it's something that was seven, said to me when I was about 17 years old and I think about it all the time because everything has a quality that can be appreciated. And if you know how to bring that quality to something, if you can sort of acknowledge what you know the the learnings the lessons the beauty in something whether it's good bad or otherwise you can learn so much from that and just run with it and it it always it brings a really grounding perspective to whatever I'm 
looking at. So when I say um, anything can be art if you give it attention, it's just about looking at the bigger picture, sort of like, you know, you look at something, it's about the peripheral vision that you see around a scenario or a situation. Yeah, I would have to say that is a comment that has resonated with me throughout my lifetime so far. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful one. I like, I like that a lot. And I've never heard it expressed in that way. And, and I love to ask that of people because they're just the, the coolest things that I've never heard before, but they're so unbelievably relevant. I have a deep appreciation for artistic things as, as well in all sorts of different endeavors. And I particularly love film and I love uh, not so much movies, but more like TV series or a Netflix type series. And the thing that I love about it the most is I guess because I've worked in film a little bit myself and I understand how hard it is and how much effort it takes. And when you see something that has really high production value with really skilled actors and really great sets and things like that, you watch that show for, you know, 60 minutes, 40 minutes or whatever it might be for that particular series, but you don't realize that it's taken $5 million worth of funding to get there and all of these people. And I have like a a real deep appreciation of all of that. And, you know, we're exposed to so much of that stuff these days. And for me, it feels like it kind of amplifies my appreciation for some things that I sit up watch. Sometimes I sit down and watch things and go, man, that was the best like series I've ever seen. That's the best episode of anything I've ever seen until I go to the next one and go, oh my God, that was just like so good. And I think it's like the appreciation for the story and the effort that goes into it and things like that. And, you know, it's some people would watch it or look at it and go, oh yeah, it's all right. It's kind of cool. Or I didn't like it. You know, it's interesting, right? That reminds me of uh, when my children were younger and they'd see things on TV and it would scare them. And he used to, um, in, in trying to explain to them how it's not real, we would go and YouTube, what do you call it? Like when they do all the costumes makeup. and do the makeup, the whole the whole lot. So educate them on the, the career of actors and, and go and look up their lives and see them with their regular families and say, wow. So, again, bringing that, you know, acknowledging that what you see on TV most of the time is art. It's, mm. it's a creative process and, wow, we're, we're watching it and we've got nothing to be afraid of. Um, yeah, that just reminded me of that little memory. Yeah, we're so spoilt for choice. All right, now, well, thank you so much for sharing that. It's great to get to know you a little bit and see on the inside of your world just a little bit like that. Maybe your friends and family listening have learned something about you that they don't already know. It's quite possible. You never know. People come on over to the Go All In podcast, Nat, to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, could you please share with us and with the audience your Biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Well, for me, I guess now that you've seen that you've learned a little bit about my background, what I haven't mentioned is that whilst I was in that <laughs> very thick in that whole arts culture, you know, for all sort of intents and purposes, I was your typical sort of teenage hippie and loved that side of life and loved the authenticity that was within that space and the honesty and the way people just kept it real. But while I was very much in love with being in that space, there was sort of this other realm of life that I had because I grew up, you know, with my feet kind of heavily cemented into the construction industry. And so I was always looking at that whole industry and I realised how full on it was. I always knew you know, my, my family were very successful property developers, very successful civil con, civil construction um, contractors. We, you know, our family's business has been around for 52 years. So I, I'm really 
have always, always been really, really aware of the way that whole industry rolls. And it wasn't an industry that I looked up to at all. You know, I can, I can say my little family business was, you know, beautiful. <laughs> but it was, it was just dog-eat-dog, cutthroat industry. And I never really gave it a whole lot of thought until I had been right through uni. I was working full-time as an art teacher, working as a sculptor, loving life, having babies. And I had my four kids in six years. So during that time, I was spending like you know, some a real lot of time with families and families from all different backgrounds, you know, because you're part of mother's groups, you're at kinders, you're everywhere. So, you know, I wasn't just hanging out with the hippies and I wasn't just hanging out with the property developers. I was everywhere. And it, it occurred to me that what really, this, I had this light bulb moment that really bothered me. And I realised that all the families around me, regardless of their personal or financial circumstances, they all, we all kind of share that common bond of needing to upgrade our home during the time in our life when we can afford it the least. So I sort of was thinking about, you know, there was lots of conversations at that time around that space of, you know, people moving, a lot of people are moving it or, or upgrading at that time. And that real disconnect between what I knew and what I felt others knew. So I had grown up taking for granted that I always knew that you could build something cheaper than what it cost you to buy it. You know, I kind of just knew how to do that really well and create profit from building and, you know, creating equity and, and, and doing things in a way that you weren't getting ripped off at every step on the way through. But I realised that everybody else didn't know that. I've never really had a reason to think about it before. So this is how I've kind of articulated that into one sentence. So it dawned on me that the process we use to buy is defined by the process they use to sell. So if you don't know a lot about something and somebody's selling you something, you're kind of at the mercy of their process. Whoever you approach first about that, about building a home, let's, that's why we're here, that's what, what I do. I don't build, I build houses and help other people build houses. But I'm not a builder. I build a house just like anybody else. But it's through my knowledge that I've had over my whole lifetime and then having done it so many times that I know that people are using the process that almost enables them to get ripped off every step of the way. They're not putting anything in place that prevents that. They're not getting the education that prevents that. They're not getting, they don't have the experience that prevents that. They're solely at the mercy of the sales process. So what happened there? You, you realise there's a disconnect between regular people and what you know that's a goal in moment right there isn't it you've got to do something about it well it's because of my back who who I felt like I was I thought how can I know this I've got to do something with this so it's like I brought my creative artistic background and went "Uh uh-uh not on my watch nobody knows where they're getting ripped off and I wanted to be the one to share the process that I used to create equity to make money out of building a new home. Everyone was telling investors how to do it, mm. but nobody was telling families. And I wanted to be that someone. So I stopped, te- I haven't taught since then. Um, I do a bit of teaching every now and then just for the love of it. But at the moment, I'm 100% all in on, you know, helping families, you know, build the very best home that their budget, environment, personal circumstances will allow. How did it shake out for you, Nat? Did you, did you make a decision to create some courses and, and you wrote a book, obviously, but 
how did it shake out in, in, in real life? Did, was there just some people that you knew that were thinking about building or buying and you said, hey, before you do that, come, come over here, let's have a conversation. How did, how did it play out on the front end there? Good question. So as I said, like my family business is in its 52nd year. So we've been and we're regional property developers and have developed, you know, over 2,000 blocks. So we, we, we build our own subdivisions from scratch we manage the entire property development supply chain from the purchase of raw land right through to sales and marketing. So, we, I mean, my family's done this forever. So what just happened is I just started to infiltrate that space and I built a website that was dedicated just to... I Actually, another all-in moment for me, because I'm creative, I love, obviously, building websites, graphic design, all that kind of stuff. So I just started playing around with educating people on what you know what you need to know to safely buy a block of land and of course just because of me being me um everyone sort of knew me anyway living in a sort of smaller area and knew that I wasn't like your typical property spruker or real estate agent or somebody trying to sell you something um I just started to bring all of this knowledge to the arena and set up a website that was just dedicated to land and then you know I still had four kids I still love to do lots of other things People said to me, how did you have time to write a book? And I said, writing a book gave me the gift of time mm. because I, had, I felt like I had all of this amazing stuff I wanted to share with everybody, yet I was so time poor that I wasn't able to spend time with people. You know, um, my husband spends time with people doing that every day, but I, didn't, I felt like if I did that as well, we would have to have sacrificed some of our non-negotiables yeah, terms. something's got to give if you do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, raising our family. And I'm a night owl, so I'd sit up writing all night, doing research, everything. That was so much fun for me. It was not hard. So my all-in moment was saying I'm going to write a book just to gift people that we meet. That was the intention behind the book. And we still do that now. You don't make money from writing a book. It's not about that. It's just about having something that you got to get off your chest I just I just had to get this out there and the book became a, a number one bestseller on Amazon which was really exciting and I was like oh wow and I didn't really have anything to do with that that was sort of like my my publisher put it out there she did a whole range of things promoted it and she was like wow you've become a bestseller in Australia and even the US for my ebook and I was like how does that happen it's not even for so it's like it's, it's a strange book, but it was the, the idea of building your best lifestyle, building a home, the advantages of building a home. It was obviously re- resonating with people, which was really, really exciting. And that gave me the confidence then just because I'm, I love, you know, I can't really, you know, when you write a book, you've, you've got to play it pretty safe because it's forever. Mm. Yeah, it's printed. And I had so many other things that I wanted to share and I felt that if I could turn that book into an online course, then I would have so much more opportunity to share some of my, and things that are changing all the time in my industry, thoughts and feelings about things that are happening in the industry right now. There's no point putting those things in a book. So that was my next all-in moment when I decided to turn my book into an online course. It's really interesting because you've taken like a lifetime of, of knowledge and the passion that you have for, for art and kind of redirected into helping people. I mean, you could kind of sit fat, dumb and happy in a building development company and do really well out of that 
like you've been doing for forever for two, literally two generations, but you've kind of decided to take it down a, a slightly different path. I, I know for myself that buying and selling property, that, that can be a, uh, a pretty scary thing. And I've never actually had to build anything, but I'm certain that there's a lot of pitfalls in there for a rookie and a noob like me. And I do know a couple of my mates that have built several homes themselves and they've got very, very hands-on. You know, I can remember a, a time many years ago being at a job with somebody and, and he came to work and he was always in a hurry to get out of there. We would finish at two o'clock in the afternoon and, he, and he'd bolt off and where are you going? You know, and he was like going to meet with contractors and he was sorting things out. And I was like, were well, you the owner builder? And he said, nah, but I've got to get involved in all of this thing because if I don't get involved in it, I'm just going to get ripped off because they just give you the price. The price is the price, but you don't realize if you shop it around, you could save a fortune. I said, what do you mean? Give me an example. And at the time he was, um, he was having a slab poured for his house, the concrete slab. And uh, the difference in the price points, he goes, look, here's, here's four different quotes. And there was literally like $15,000 difference between the lowest and the highest. And they're like, yeah. well, what's the difference between the low and the high one? That's still a concrete slab and they still do the same things. And he was like, exactly. That's, that's why you've got to be so involved in it. There, there must be so many pitfalls like that for, for a rookie and for first timers like that. Can you comment on that and share a little bit of your experience with that? Oh, there is, I could, you know, reel off my, and that's what my course is filled full of, yeah. is, well, literally 52 examples, so there's 52 topics of things just like that, bless you. So it's not, like somebody could build a house and have a really great experience and, and go, yeah, no, it was fine for me. However, I almost would put money on that if I started talking to them about their process and some of the things that happened along the way, they would realise that they spent money where they didn't need to spend money. Well, can you give us an example, Nat? Like if I go down to the, you know, there's the, the, the local display homes in the suburbs where all of these places are being built and they're like urban mansions. These places are unbelievably spectacular and in some ways it's like walking into a theme park, you know, you kind of walk in the gates and you wander through these houses and, and you come out and you're inundated with like, all of the brochures and all of the people. And it's like, oh my God, how can I not buy something? I never intended to do anything, but I'm going to buy four today. It's, and people just must lose their shirt in the process of doing that. Maybe you could share some of the pitfalls there. Yeah. So I would, I would say that that's one of sort of the biggest, my course is about creating value as well. It's not just about not getting ripped off. So I'll give you a real life example of something that I'm experiencing right now. By the way, I would call that scenario what you just said as being blinded by the bright lights. <laughs> a lot of people go into that theme park. I love that that yeah. you speak of. They get blinded by the bright lights. They fall in love with a dream they can't afford. Only thing is they don't realise they can't afford it because of that sales process. They don't realise they can't afford it until they've invested a lot of time and effort into it, possibly even money. And then they walk away from the process going, oh, we can't afford to build. It's, you know, out of our realm of possibilities. However, they made one of the biggest mistakes that I believe somebody makes when they think about building a home. And that is that they start with the builder. Now, keeping in mind what I said earlier, that if you, if you start with the builder, you are defined by the build, the, that builder's process. So let's say there's three or four types of built, different builders and they all have their niche. A lot of people believe nowadays that the display homes, that's the only type of builder that's out there. So I'm building a home right now on a, it's not a flat block of land, it falls away. So you've got the front driveway and then it falls away. 
Now, next door, most volume builders will only build on a flat block. So I'm building a home with a custom builder on piers. So it goes straight out. My garage is on concrete, but it goes straight out, which enables me to capture amazing views across the public open space. I've got a whole panorama at the back of the living area, a whole wall of window that has cost me virtually no more than two other sets of windows to put in. Now, the home next door, they obviously started with a volume builder. And because a volume builder process is building on a flat slab their blocks being dug down excavated down huge site costs a flat slab being, has been poured and their home sits possibly 1.5 meters lower than mine so it hasn't cost me any more to build my home going straight out because i haven't had any of the extensive um, excavation costs but but i've created about probably i estimate 10 to fifteen thousand dollars more value because I didn't start with the builder. I started with my block. I looked at my options. I knew what my different types of builders were and I spoke to all of them. That's how I figured out, well, I knew this anyway, but if I was doing it for the first time, following my process, I would have realised that most volume builders will only build on a flat slab. I would have realised that I had other options and I would have been able to find the builder that was able to maximise my budget to create the very best home for my budget. So there's an example of do the people next door realise that? I haven't spoke to them about it. They haven't approached me, of course. So that's fine. They're strangers to me. However, do they realise that? Probably not. So they're probably really, really happy, yet they might not know that my home, and I build homes to sell for profit, I have created an, I have created far more equity in my home just through understanding that very simple thing about who I actually needed to speak to for that style of block. So it all comes back to where you start. Makes a lot of sense. It makes, uh, makes a hell of a lot of sense. Now, what, what does it feel like to, on the other side of your go all in moment where you, you've decided to do something about this, you've decided to share the knowledge. And I, I know in the pre-interview questions, you said, if you've got knowledge like that, it should be shared. And something as simple as don't start with the builder and shop it round. That could be golden advice for somebody that saves them an absolute fortune. So thank you for sharing that, first of all. But what does it feel like for you to be able to say that publicly and, and to share your knowledge? Because going all in on something requires a huge commitment of time, effort, energy, emotional, intellectual, spiritual effort. It must feel, does it feel good to be able to do that and express that? It does. It does feel really good. Like I feel when I'm with my clients and they have that, like, again, as I said, there are so many topics. So they, you have, they have that light bulb moment and I've delivered my course um, in person as well. So I've been able to see the, oh, wow. And the questions they've asked and everything during those seminars have made me feel amazing. I feel like, yes, like I'm saving the world. You know, it's so <laughs> exciting. Yeah. However, there is a side to it and I'll just be 100% authentic. That makes me feel sick to my stomach because my other big all-in moment is that I've kind of called bullshit a lot on my own industry. Mm. And when I'm in my own industry, I, I talk about a lot of stuff that my industry does not want me to talk about. You know, I, I, as, I, as you know, we're in property development, yet in my course I talk about how to identify property developers that might be struggling financially, how you can get the best price block, all the things that you can do 
to avoid site costs, all the things that developers do not want me to be telling people because mm. it affects their sales process. Real estate agents particularly, not so much the developers because most developers aren't the ones selling their product. It's more the real estate agent sort of world. And what they don't have to tell you a lot. You know, they, there is so many situations. And th- this is another example. I'll tell you a, a case study that, again, that moment where you just feel like, oh, saving the world, is when um, I was, had given a first homeowner's talk and afterwards people could come up and speak to me naturally. And a young couple came in and they had said that they, it was obviously first homeowners, and they had said that they had found a block and they're really excited. They're going to sign the contract. After hearing my talk, they're really inspired to build. And they told me their budget. And my, my kind of ears picked up and I just sort of did my sums in my head and thought, how's that going to work out? And they said, no, we found a block for 105000 And I'm like, oh, there's a problem. <laughs> because, if, if, you know, you've got to know if a block's... There's, there's ways to screw down a block, but if a block is offered to you at 100 you know, so cheap, mm, you've got to wonder why. So... Yeah. When I finished the conversation with them, they had brought a block on a hill face that was sandstone. Like they, and they wanted to build a double story house, which made not, nothing made sense to what they were telling me when they, in comparison to them giving me their budget. So they had brought a block through a real estate agent. Thankfully, they hadn't signed the contracts, but they were going to sign the contracts for a block that would have had possibly, and I'm, this is, I'm good at this because I've grown up in civil construction, so I know what things cost to excavate. It would have had, by my estimation, about $80,000 worth of site excavation to get to cut into that sandstone hillside. Would have Massive. Would have the young couple oh, broke. have been for sale for years. In mm. fact, I, I know the blocks. The developer has since built the houses, selling because, you know, the, most people who know what they're doing won't buy the blocks. Mm. But... You can, I mean, that's a really extreme example, but... Oh, look, you know, then, I, I, I don't think so. I would, I would come on to your side and echo it, uh, maybe share some of my anecdotes right here where I live in Cronulla. As, and for the people listening around the world, there's been a huge property boom here in Australia over the last probably six or seven years, but it's cooled off. And like every property market in the world, it's, it's cyclic and um, we, we came to the bottom of the cycle and it, and it cooled off. And there are two developments here in Cronulla that are just big giant holes in the ground. And they used to be like four apartment blocks. One of them was four apartment blocks wide and deep as well. And now it's just four apartment blocks deep because the developer ran out of money. And apparently there's a $93 million hole in the ground over there. That's how they're short. And all of these people are, are kind of left holding the baby. They put their deposit down to buy all of these apartments and to make all this happen in a fancy beachside suburb in Sydney. But the reality is the person ran out of money or couldn't get his finance or whatever happened. And it's just, you know, those people that put their deposits down, they get their money back. That's all protected. That's all insured and all those sorts of things. But gosh, what a, what a giant waste of time because I do know some of the people that have purchased into some of these places that have now put their homes on the market, sold their homes and they're renting waiting for these developments to come off and, and be ready. And there's another one on the other side of the suburb. Again, what beautiful waterfront place. And I can remember when uh, the, the DA sign went up out the front, I thought if I was going to buy in Cronulla, that is the location to buy. It's just, it had everything. It was like really close to the shops. It's right on the water. It's right next to the train station. It was just, and just a beautiful outlook of where it was. I, I kind of fell in love with the location because I love the location because I'm over there all the time. Right. And, 
one day I, I went down there, all of the scaffolding came down, all of the stuff went away, all of the construction went away and it's just been shell now for the last probably five months, maybe almost six months. And you can see the building, it's like probably six or seven stories high and you can see from one side to the other, it's literally just the, the shell of the building and no finance has come along, nothing has happened. And yesterday um, I, I had lunch with the CEO of a uh, finance company of a bank here in Sydney and I was told we were because he does only commercial property and I was talking to him about property and I asked him about resis and, and I said, you know, what, what's your feeling about that? What would you say about that? You know, if you, with a broad brush, what would you say? And he goes, whatever you do, don't buy off the plan. And <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. Do you know about the two in Cronulla? And he goes, yeah, I know about them at all because people have been coming to him trying to get it to finance it and, and whatnot as well. But how, how does one unsuspecting individual mum and dad type couple, just like me and my missus, if we were going to buy a place over there, we would have lost our shirt in the process of, of doing that. How, how do you do the due diligence on the developer to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, you're talking probably about a little bit of a different scenario. My course, my target market is more people building individual homes on individual blocks. So I know there is, there is so much um, and rightfully so anxiety around buying an apartment blocks off the plan, etc. It's interesting because there can be some really big advantages of buying land off the plan. The, the, mo- the, the biggest one is that you, you can buy a block for a certain price. You only need to have a minimal deposit on it to hold it. But by the time it's developed and titles arrive, it could have increased in value. So that's a good way to create some instant equity. Um, however, yeah, however, if you are somebody who is absolutely, if you need that home to be titled by a certain date, that could put you in a really vulnerable position with your family. To give you an example, I met an older couple who had sold their farm and I was actually selling one of my homes and they came to have a look at it and I always advocate for building. So it's no secret that I build homes for profit and that I can build them for less than what it's costing me to sell them. So if I, I always have that conversation with people when they come to look at my homes. So they were purchasing a block of land they, they had thought about building. They said, oh, we, you know, we think we want to build. And so they came to me and said, we found a block of land with a real estate agent and it's going to have titles in two months. Now, again, my background in civil construction, there weren't even machines on the site yet. It's at least five months to build a subdivision. At, you know, that's no rain. You know, that's best case scenario. So I was like, oh. but then I didn't want to come across as... Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard unless they're in my course and they've engaged me as their advocate, like as in anyone who's in the course, I'm just always there. You can just type in for a bit of advice and if I can help you, I'll send you to someone who can. But when they haven't actually, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say, I just, I just said I need you to just double check on that, you know, because the person that's selling them that is telling them that, but the person selling them that probably doesn't even realise that either. That's what's so bad about this industry is that, how do you check though? How, how do I, cause you know, you've got, you've got the buzzer there, you know, the, the BS buzzer and you're going to smack your hand on it and go, I call BS because you know, nothing happens in two months. It takes five months. You know that they don't know that the person selling them that knows that. How, how do you, how do you stop yourself getting caught out or get in trouble when you don't know what you don't know? That is exactly why I created this course. You have <laughs> nailed what I want the whole world to know. Yeah. Because unless you understand that process, like one of my whole sections is on site costs and buying, like one of my, and I guess it's obviously the most comprehensive section of my course because it's the, 
the section that I know inside out that have grown up with is the land component and where, you know, all the land buying blunders that everybody kind of makes, or not everybody, but you know what I mean, that everybody can make, you don't, you don't know. And that no one's going to tell you. The developer's not going to talk you out of wanting to buy the block. The real estate agent's not going to talk you out of wanting to buy the block. But I think that was, and I keep this updated on one of my blogs because I use that as a case study. And to this day, not a, uh, the roads are built, but not a single home has, like no one's turned the dirt, dirt yet. Titles are still not in. Mm. And I'm pretty sure we're edging on 12 months. Gosh. Um, as I said, I keep going in. Whenever I think about it, I go back in and say, oh, it's been six months, been eight months. How? Because they were older, like they had come in and sold their farm. They didn't want to rent. Mm. They were prepared to stay somewhere for two months before their home started. And I was just like... Seems, seems reasonable. <laughs> You've just been lied to, flat yeah, out. There's no way. And there's nothing stopping There's nothing stopping that. So I just think that if people have the education, it's such a... It's sometimes just the most simplest piece of information could make such a huge difference to mm. your life process. Mm. And, and one of the other reasons why this course is so important to me is because... There are massive benefits to building. Some people, um, I remember when I first showed my husband the landing page for my course, which he's like, oh, you, you might scare people off building. And it's really hard to find that happy medium because there is so many, and I, I mean, I'm living proof of the financial benefits of building, but there's, you know, there's that fine line between, my, I would say that my course actually helps you achieve that financial benefit Whereas if you don't follow some of these rules and you sort of let yourself be vulnerable to the sales process, then you might you might not get to benefit you might not get the full financial benefit. But if you just know some basic yet really valuable information, it can up your stakes to create equity. So it's not about you know making everybody scared of all the things that can go wrong. That's kind of the opposite to what I want to do. Yet to prove how valuable my course is, I kind of need to share those dangers just to let people know what's out there so that they can avoid it. Does that make sense? It, it perfectly it perfectly aligns with the go all in mindset and, and spirit, if you like, because for people that are not investors and let's face it, not everybody's a business owner or an entrepreneur or an investor. They just want somewhere to live with their family and they're happy to have a mortgage and build a house and to do all those things. It's, it is the biggest purchase that those people will make. And again, let's face it, that's the vast majority of Australians and it's the vast majority of people in the world. They're not investors. They don't have multiple properties. Most couples, most families just have one property, the one that they live in. That's just how it is. That's just how life is. And everything that you're describing is so unbelievably important because making a decision to buy or to build, particularly to build, is a go-all-in thing it's a it's a complete yeah. and total commitment because it's the biggest purchase that these folks will ever make and it's scary and you know i remember when i was in the military we we had a when i was at the parachute school there's a big sign there you know australian parachute school and it says underneath it knowledge dispels fear because you can't go into the australian parachute school and and not be scared of jumping out of airplanes and learning how to do that it's a scary thing right and Likewise here, taking a big giant leap in buying your first home or building your first home, in my view, is probably more scary than jumping out of an airplane. Coming out of an airplane as a parachute, you're good. There's no parachute when you jump in, so you better well have your gear squared away and your knowledge squared away, right? And that's what you've got going on right there. Maybe you can offer a comment? With what I know about 
the process of planning to build a home because you're not building people think to you know oh if i go there it's all about diy there is nothing romantic about what i'm teaching people it's not you know entertainment you know like the tv shows of renovating about renos here it's not it's not there is no fun fluffy stuff this is just hardcore facts that you can only get i share my information not as an industry expert i share it as an industry customer Mm. so i absolutely with what i know about the process it absolutely astounds me that people would go in and build a home well I know they do it because they don't they don't know they have any other option or they they just don't think about it but if you knew that something like my course existed and you chose to then go and just plan to build your home without wanting to know some of those things like that's that's just insane you know (laughs) it really is it really is because I know the value that it can bring in helping people plan to build a home and reading my book is one thing and I'm happy to give that to anybody who wants it it's a gift but the course goes all in. Mm. It shares stuff that I'm not even comfortable, you know, that I would never put in a book. It's about you and me. It's about you having access to my experiences, my father's experiences, 52 years of doing it, you know, my extended family because we're all, we're all in it. <laughs> we all um, are in the civil construction business together. So it's, it's, I feel like it's kind of like my purpose to share this information you, um, mentioned, you mentioned before, I just want to jump in there. You mentioned yeah. before that you, you kind of call bullshit on your industry a little bit. Does that ever cause a bit of a backlash for you? Well, another goal in moment was when I first thought that I wanted to share information, I didn't feel like, I thought, how can I just spend the rest of my life sharing this information? So I, I was involved in a lot of, and having just been in a business family, I knew about different business models. And I've believed that to share my information and I, my, my philosophy at that time when I first started down this track was that uh, our vision was that every Australian family had free access to the information that ha- would help them build the very best home that their lifestyle, budget, et cetera, could afford. So I believe that I then needed to engage partnerships and use a referral-based business model so that I could generate revenue by referring businesses that could help people along their journey but it did not take me very long at all to realize one I it it just it limited me so much I had to every time I wanted to say something from that real go all in authentic space of this is where they'll rip you off I realized nobody really wants me to be talking about it (laughs) nobody appreciate nobody on nobody on that side like in the industry appreciates what I'm doing I'll tell you that right now but the people do so I I had to make a decision that I would just, you know, everyone says, oh, get independent advice, get independent advice. If they've got something to sell you, if they are selling other people's products, promoting other people's products, if they have other people's products on their website, if they're a marketplace for listing hundreds and thousands of house and land packages, all that stuff, that's not independent advice Mm. because they can't call bullshit on the people that are paying them to host their products. You just can't do it. Mm. So it must have been very liberating to kind of unpick yourself from that type of JV style thing and referral and just go out there and just tell people the information without kind of trying to get a financial gain or a partnership thing out of it, right? It must have been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was good, scary, because then I sort of had to think about then, again, how could I spend how my life? Deliver. I, yeah, you sort of got to earn it a living somehow. So that's when um, I realized that 
maybe it wasn't an option to to be people's advocate to be on call through my course for free it had to come you so you, you were paying for me instead of me giving everything for free and having it all censored yeah everyone gets paid somehow yeah. so i'd rather get paid where you know i'm getting paid not where i'm trying to hide it all away saying i'm giving you everything for free but really you're paying for it in other ways so the other thing is I had my family support, which was really, really, really valuable because we make a living with property from selling land as well. That's something my family's done, as you said, for generations. Mm. And I, what I love about my family is that when I went to them and said, I'm all in, I'm, I can't have partnerships, I can't work with referral-based platforms, I want to authentically help every family to know the full story I don't tell anybody how to do anything. I just make sure they've got the full story mm. so then they can make the decisions themselves. So I don't say, oh, you should use this type of builder or that type of builder. I never do that. I say, this is what happens. This is what it's like to work with this type of builder. These are the things that would suit. I never, never tell people that this is how you've got to do things. It's about giving them the education to make their own informed decision. Yeah, there's no right or wrong. There's just an outcome and the outcome can always be more positive with a little bit of, it's so hard to have foresight in your life. It's easy to have hindsight, but to be able to look forward and not make mistakes, that can be solved with somebody like yourself in in your corner where you've done it before, you've seen all the mistakes and the pitfalls. And again, no right or wrong, just an outcome in, in the circumstance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So having that support for my family to go, you know what? Nah, what you're doing is really important. Go all in. That was that was my liberating moment because um, they could have easily said, "Oh, you know, it could affect what we're doing or anything like that." Mm. And you know what? I love it. I love it that people know that we're not like with my husband with the land and things like that. With we, we work in our family business, that we just lay it all out on the table. All that information is for our for our clients as well as the rest of Australia. So mm. it's a good feeling. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, if, if somebody was thinking about going all in on something, you, you've shared a couple of different moments with us today where you've had to do that and you've really kind of had to put it out there for yourself. And, you know, it has a consequence, has a consequence to you and your reputation in the industry, has a consequence to your actual business. And, you know, nothing in life is without consequence. But if someone was teetering on the edge, maybe not thinking about building a home, but wanting to go all in on something, what would be the top one or two, three, three things that you would say to them about doing that? What, how should they approach it? So I have the personal philosophy that I need to live my truth independent of my environment. So what is my, my truth, as in what makes me lie in bed at night with a smile on my face? And whilst going all in might have put me outside my comfort zone and had me worried about how I might be perceived by people in my industry, it actually feels really good to go to bed at night knowing that if all else fails, you know that you've had good intentions. So live your truth, have the right intentions and bring your own spirit to everything that you do because the world's just full of all the same stuff. You know, this isn't the only industry this happens in. It happens in every industry just about where we are, you know, the, the process we used to buy is defined by the process they used to sell. So if when it comes to business, if you're thinking about going all in, do something that nobody else has got the balls to do. Go all in and be that somebody that wants to change the world and hopefully you can make a living on the way through or find a way that you can on the way through. But, you know, it, it feels really, really good 
to know that you really could be making a difference, even if it's just, you know, in, in the people that happen to stumble across you. I mean, how you reach a lot of people, that's my challenge now. Um, my industry is fraught with distrust, so why would I be any different? Mm. You know, my, my challenge is to share with the world my intention and how I live my truth and how I can bring that to other people. So I think that's what every, you know, the approach everybody should take, could take. It's it's beautifully said, you know, and I I think you embody the spirit of it as well, you know, and going all in is not something that I came up with. I didn't coin that phrase. It's been around forever. It's just another way to say, be committed to something and and go for it and just do it. You know, the Nike Nike version of it is is a good thing as well. And um, you're, you're a, you're a shining example of the embodiment of that philosophy because it wasn't just about having a go at something, having a crack at something in your life. Your reputation is tied to it and your, your business and your whole life is tied to it. And on the other side of it is a, is a happy gnat that goes to bed satisfied every evening. So that's, that's really inspiring to see. And, and I appreciate you sharing that bit of vulnerability and authenticity with me and with the audience here as well. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right, Nat, as we uh, come to the end of the podcast here, if people wanted to reach out with you, find out more about you, maybe even take your course, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So you can go to buildingoz.com.au or that's to access my course and the work that I do with Building Oz. Or well, not with Building Oz, that's, that's my website. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to get to know me on a personal note, you can visit nataliestevens.com.au. Um, that's got a little bit more about maybe what we talked about in the beginning, how I bring some of that art philosophy into my everyday life through my work. But my course is called the Building Home Masterclass Series and you can access that via Building Oz. And also, um, I like for Go All In, people that are listening, I like I want you to have a code so you can take a promo code, a coupon, so you can take my course for half price. Oh yeah, so God. 50% off um, coupon there. So if you just use the coupon code Go All In, um, I would love you to have that. Excellent. Thank you. Nah, I really appreciate that. And if you're listening to this show on your phone, just peek at the show notes in whatever app you're listening to and you'll see all of those links right there so you don't have to go digging for them. They're right there in the show notes. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down and you'll see the links there and make sure you connect with Nat at her website and I'll, I'll pop in your LinkedIn address there as well. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Awesome. Well, make sure you reach out to Nat and connect and don't forget to grab that coupon code for a 50% discount. Thank you so much, Nat. We really appreciate it. Final question for the podcast. You're busy with four kids. That's a big, busy family. And that's a short gap that you had them in there that you mentioned before. What is it that you do every day that's absolutely non-negotiable to keep yourself sharp and focused and bringing your A game? Well, I would have to say that non-negotiable for me almost every single day is that I cook a beautiful meal, if not two or three, for my family. You know, it can be crazy in our house and life's <laughs> crazy. However, that moment when I just go, life's good, is where I'm sitting down, there's six of us and we're all together and everyone's loving what they're eating. <laughs> it just It's that moment where I feel content, pure contentment that everything's just how it should be. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautifully said and a, and a beautiful end to a, uh, a very, very fantastic podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Nat. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. It's bye for now. Thanks so much. Take care.
Well, there you have it, folks. What a fantastic show. Please make sure you connect with Nat and make sure you pick up that 50% off voucher for her course as well. Just take a peek at your phone and all of the links to her website, her socials, and to the voucher are right there in the show notes. Now, if you've got a question or a comment or an idea for the show, you can reach out via the Goal in Socials and make sure you subscribe to the show on the app that you're listening in on right now as well. That way you'll never miss a show. And if you've got a moment and you liked what you heard today, I'd really appreciate a review as that helps a whole boatload as well. Don't forget you can send me an email anytime you like. Just visit goalin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. Now, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time. You said I was a piece of art. You decided to pay my heart. But you colored it gray, then you put it in the frame. Hung it beside other hearts gray as mine. Oh, I should have known. Should, should have let you go. Should've known, should've, should've let you go